0: You're listening to the Sustainable Angler Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Crawford. In this episode, I interview American Fly Fishing Trade Association CEO Ben Bulis, Conservation Director Reagan Nelson, and Communications and Membership Director Matt Smythe. And we talk about everything from the history of AFTA... AFTA's policy work and conservation initiatives and uh, cover everything that's going to be happening at IFTD uh, and especially um, AFTA's partnership with COSTA and creating a KICK Plastic Coalition uh, where uh, IFTD will be uh, single-use plastic free. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoy This episode of The Sustainable Angler is brought to you by Emerger Strategies, a sustainable business consultancy that improves the social, environmental, and economic bottom line of your operations and products. Profit sustainably. Got the folks over here from AFTA on the Sustainable Angler today. Um, we are, uh, I guess, a couple weeks out from IFTD, which is exciting. And um, really wanted to kind of get the conversation started. Uh, there may be some listeners out there that are somewhat unfamiliar with AFTA and what y'all do and um just wanted to go ahead and and, and get it kicked off with uh if ben you could just tell us a little bit more about afta's mission and, and 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 just tell us what you're all about
1: yeah you bet thanks rick thanks for having us um so afta is uh is a group of fly shops manufacturers guides outfitters travel companies sales representatives and media in the fly fishing industry so um we are we are industry focused and not uh, consumer focused. Even though you know our efforts that we uh, work on within the the industry uh, definitely benefit the end consumer. Um, and as the uh, as the industry trade association, you know we're committed to serving our members and 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 promoting the growth of of the industry. Uh, our the sustainability, I guess, business sustainability of the individual businesses um, and the industry as a whole. Um, I mean, the, the the success of our industry as a whole is 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 directly tied to the sustainability of of resources of our sport, and um, we we are the collective voice uh, to help protect the resources um, of our industry and. Um, and their businesses. So uh, whether if that's, you know, creating educational events around the country for our retailers and uh, sales reps to attend and our industry as a whole to attend through the dealer summit, or or that's, you know, talking to members of Congress on clean water and tax and trade and tariffs, um, it's all encompassing.
0: Yep. And, and and you and you bring up an interesting point, Ben, because there's um you know at least from, from my viewpoint, it's kind of like you need the, the the industry to to lead, right? To take a leadership example or, or or to play a leadership role. Um and as an AFTA member, um looking in, I mean I think AFTA does a great job with that in terms of uh, different policy initiatives um, as it relates to conservation and and sustainability um, to uh, informing even though they're outside of the industry you know as, as just a fly angler they're they're looking to these companies um, for to, to take those initiatives and, and and help to everybody wants to pitch in and help make an impact and I think AFTA is a good vehicle for that um, and and does a great job of of um, letting the the industry have a voice. So, um, kudos to y'all. We we certainly all appreciate that.
1: Yeah, no. Um, to add on to that. I mean, I would say that you know, AFTA as an organization is only as strong as the members that we represent. And um, it, it, if whatever we can do as an organization to make those members' uh, businesses stronger, um, the industry as a whole uh, benefits from that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, couldn't, couldn't agree more there. And, and Ben, this is kind of just something I'm, I'm somewhat curious about, but how, how did AFTA get started? I mean, how long has AFTA been around? I mean, how did all this, this come to fruition, I guess?
1: So, um, AFTA was, was part of a larger organization back in the, I think it was the late eighties, early nineties, um, called AFT month. And that was the American Fishing Tackle Manufacturers Association, mm-hmm. um, and it was a it was a, a, a an organization that represented both the interests of uh, sport fishing as a whole in general, not just fly fishing, and not just what some people like to say conventional or spin fishing. Uh, so, out of AFTMA um, came two organizations: uh, the American Sport Fishing Association and uh, the American Fly Fishing Trade Association. So the original board of AFTMA had um, representatives from both the sport fishing conventional side of it and the uh, fly fishing side. And a lot of the members of the fly fishing sides thought that they needed to have their own voice. And so, hence came to AFTA.
0: Cool. Um, I actually was not aware of that. So interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, a lot of people aren't. So,
0: yeah, so. yeah. Um, all right. So, so AFTA now represents the fly fishing industry, and we have a voice. And and I know one of um, the important things that AFTA does to to unite the the industry's voice is focusing on um, a lot of important conservation initiatives, um, as it relates to uh, policy and fisheries. So, you know, we know that things like climate change, plastic pollution, um, overfishing from population, we know that these are uh, environmental threats to our fisheries, but AFTA has uh, focused on, some, I, I would say, key initiatives um, as it relates to our industry and fisheries, and just wondered if um, maybe Reagan, you, you could touch on some of the, the initiatives that y'all are currently or have been working on recently um, and uh, just just go from there.
2: Yeah, I'm happy to do that. Um, actually, what I'd like to start off by talking about is the day for Bristol Bay, um, which after most recently spearheaded Um, And I'd actually like Matt to talk about that because he played a really key role in making that a really successful day. So, Matt, you want to start us off?
3: Sure. So this past August 24th, um, we, as an industry, uh, we hosted what was called a day for Bristol Bay. And it was the culmination of uh, a couple of months of uh, pretty intense legwork trying to uh, get the word out about the need for our industry to pull together with one voice in a, um, a very, very deliberate in a very sort of, I guess, concrete way. Um, something that we, we haven't really done, uh, before traditionally or historically the fly fishing industry, we've, um, we've done a lot, Uh, for I mean almost 15 years we've done a lot to support the fight against pebble mine up in the headwaters of Bristol Bay and and I'm sure you know your listeners many of them or hopefully all of them know about what's going on up there but there's uh, proposed open pit gold copper and uh, uh, molybdenum I, yeah, I'm going to mess that pronunciation up, but at any rate there, there's a, it would be the lar- the largest open pit mine in North America. And it is threatening uh, the headwaters of the largest um, sockeye salmon run um, in, I think it's the world, I believe. So at any rate, the, what's happening is is we've been fighting against that going in there for almost 15 years and we've been sending you know, it's millions of signatures and letters and things like that to to Congress and you know, the EPA and the Army Corps engineers to say, no, no, we we can't do this. It's short sighted. There's already a sustainable, um, sustainable fishery, sustainable economy. Um, and it's the basis of a lot of, you know, the, the native culture up there, too. And we've been fighting against pebble mine for, for this long. So. Rather than sending more signatures and more letters, we decided we were going to get behind um, the Bristol Bay Defense Fund. And that's a group that's on the front lines that are working on the Hill to fight against this this mine. And we decided to get behind them from a financial standpoint by rallying the industry to raise as much money as possible to support their efforts. So after you know, a couple of months of raising awareness, trying to rally the industry as a whole, as well as the fly fishing community. On August 24th, this past August 24th, everybody came together, shopping at local fly shops, participating fly shops. And I think we had one, uh, just over 30, I think we had 30 or 31 states that were represented by uh, specialty retail fly shops. Coast to coast, everybody came together and we wound up raising uh, in excess of $100,000 for this group. The money as awesome. absolutely amazing, and as big a statement as that was to be able to support the Bristol Bay Defense Fund, as big as that story is, the bigger story is the fact that we as a nation, you know, coast to coast, we made a statement that will absolutely be heard in Congress because we're getting behind um, these folks. And and they're gonna see that, you know, this isn't something that they should be so cavalier as to bypass the appropriate um, the appropriate processes and, and what have you and, and fast tracking, uh, you know, the permitting process and what have you. They need to do the due diligence, which is what we want them to do. Ultimately, we want them to just, negate the permit permitting process and say this is just a bad idea wrong mind wrong place um so that that was one of that's that's one of the initiatives that we just we just uh took part in
0: yeah and 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 that was awesome um and and again i mean this kind of goes back to you know as an after member but also um even if i wasn't just having all of the brands and after members also help spread that message i mean it just had What had to have been huge ripple effects in terms of uh, reaching people who for, you know, maybe they're new to to fly fishing and and they aren't aware of what's happening at Pebble Mine. Um, And obviously a a huge success and and, um, having $100,000 donated, it sounds like, to the Bristol Bay Defense Fund, which they'll use to hopefully... um, defeat pebble mine and we can keep that fishery wild and um, and and that economy there can continue to thrive so that that's that's amazing
1: yeah Rick uh, hey, this has been I, I would add just one more thing on to what Matt had said and 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 it's not just um, you know obviously protecting the resources is is what we what we want to do but the reason for that is is the the economic impact of that fishery uh, there are you know, Seven about seventeen thousand jobs in the uh, the sport fishing world in that uh, Bristol Bay region, and it's uh, about a one point five billion dollar economic impact, and that's every year, and that's sustainable, and that's and that's just because of the abundance of of the run of salmon that come back, and and a lot of people don't realize it's if you haven't been there, it's not just about the salmon; it's about the entire wildlife ecosystem there from, you know, bird watchers to hunters to, I mean, and, and it's the fishermen and it's not just, it's not just uh, salmon. It's, it's, you know, everything that survives in, in those watersheds in those areas. So it's a, it's a fantastic trout. <clears throat> and, uh, it's one thing that I think, <clears throat> um, always has to be mentioned. It's not just about the salmon.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's, that, that's absolutely right. And, um, I mean, $1.5 billion impact there is, you know, that, that would cripple that, that community and, and, and that economy, which would be a real shame for something that is, um, sustainable for them, um, in terms of, uh, having, you know, annual runs. And, um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's a, that's a really good point and always good point to make in terms of with any of the stuff. It's not just about, <laughs> For selfish reasons that I want to go out and catch salmon or or, or, or or trout indefinitely, it's also about the economic impact and also the ecosystem impact that um, removing um, a, a species. Yeah, and, it,
1: and it affects the you know the global uh seafood supply chain as well. I mean, I'm in I'm in DC this weekend. I uh, was at Whole Foods yesterday, and right in the fish and the fish mop, part part of the show or the show the the store, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> there was wild caught bristol bay alaskan salmon and they're 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 highlighting the fact that it is wild caught and where it comes from so it's uh i was in jackson hole last weekend too and there was a there was a uh, and the whole grocer in jackson hole which i'm, I'm sure yeah. you're well aware of rick i mean they had the they had the same sign in there you know wild caught alaskan bristol bay salmon
3: we have the same thing with uh, Wegmans here. They they market the same. And they get they get their salmon from there too.
0: And I mean, and and as it should be. I mean, you know that that's something that if people don't know the difference, you, you got to know what you're buying. And I think you know that that is kind of a a separate conversation. But the consumers, uh, whether it's seafood or, or or just about anything, with the amount of information that's available. Um, are coming, becoming increasingly educated, and I know that when I buy salmon, you know, it, it any seafood, I, I, I want to try and, and buy local, um, but also uh, if I'm going to buy salmon, it's definitely going to be wild caught, you know. Um, so that's a, you know, that's it, it's it's just good to know um, that that what you're eating is is supporting an economy and also um, is is sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um so okay so so Pebble Mine huge success for uh the the day for Pebble Mine um what other conservation day for Bristol in, Bay we were not for Pebble me. Mine
3: <laughs> again it's Pebble yeah, Mine yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh sorry about that <laughs> uh, um what other what other conservation initiatives is uh after sort of uh focusing on these days
2: Yeah well, my job as conservation director is really to keep an eye on the legislative and regulatory proposals coming out of Congress and the Trump administration. <clears throat> and to um, you know, make sure that we're weighing in with policymakers when, when those proposals could impact our industry. Um, so you know, what's on my plate these days? Uh, a big initiative over the last couple of years um, is to focus on marine fisheries management. So Congress actually is, is currently looking to reauthorize the Magnus and Stevens Act. And this is, um, this is essentially the primary law that governs how our marine federal fisheries are managed in the United States um, and in all of our territories as well, uh, out in the Pacific and in the Caribbean. Um, so if you think about it, we have nearly 500 different fisheries that are controlled by this one law. Everything from salmon on the West Coast uh, bluefish, tuna species, mackerel species, sailfish, and others on the East Coast and in the Gulf of Mexico. So it's it's really a far-reaching law. Um, and it's been a very successful law over the last 20 or 30 years. It's, it's done a great job of really rebuilding a lot of fisheries that had been decimated by overfishing in the 80s and 90s. Um, Within the, within the fly fishing industry, saltwater fly fishing is actually the fastest growing segment of our industry, which is really exciting. It's attracting a lot of new interest in the sport, which is great. So we are really keen to make sure that when Congress updates this law, um, which they're currently in the process of doing, that they do it in a way that's gonna benefit our industry. Um, you know, From our perspective, from AFTA's perspective, we really believe that managing our fisheries to be abundant, um, so we have you know not just sustainable but thriving marine fisheries, is yep. only going to just increase the opportunity for our guides and our consumers to be more successful on the water. And you know, the more success and opportunity we have on the water, uh, the more likely we are to continue to grow the sport, and that's going to benefit our industry. Um, you know, we have to be really careful because there are voices out there that are looking simply to maximize harvest or essentially Mm -hmm. removal of fish from from fisheries populations. Um, And if that happens, we're gonna see reduced fishing opportunities on the water, which is exactly what we don't wanna see for our industry. So there's a really important advocacy role for AFTA in this conversation. And so we've been very much engaged in that conversation um, and working with the policymakers who are leading that effort
0: yeah and and you know something else too in, in term you know because Magnus and Stevens has been so successful um in the past in, in rebuilding fish stocks and and fisheries i you know I don't know how you how it's just not common sense it's like that you know it's the tragedy of the commons right you have a growing population and to do anything to to your point, Reagan is to say no. I, I don't want to just a sustainable fishery. I want a thriving fishery. You know, and I, I want my our, our kids and, and grandkids to be able to experience not only experience it uh, from an angling perspective, but also, um, you know, being able to enjoy uh, <laughs> seafood. You know, I I, I just mm-hmm. I, I don't understand how mm-hmm. that's even. You know, are, are they considering, I guess what I'm asking is, are they even considering the growing population in the context of this conversation?
2: You know, in any natural resource management context, there is always a tension between short-term gain and long-term sustainability. I mean, that's just always been the case. And, you know, we're fortunate in the fly fishing industry that we have a very deep-seated conservation ethos among our, you know, among our industry members and um, our anglers. And so for us it makes perfect sense, you know, that we would be making the the decisions today that are going to assure that we have, you know, thriving populations into the future. But, you know, that's not always the case. There are people out there that are looking, you know, to to maximize how many fish can we take out of the out of the ocean now because, you know, that's going to help me sell more stuff today and tomorrow I'll be damned. So yep. that's always just a it's a It's a real tension that exists, and that's why it's incredibly important for conservation advocates to make their voice heard in the conversation. Otherwise, we're just going to get rolled.
0: Yep. Interesting. Um, So so in terms of uh, MSA reauthorization, what does a timeline on that look like?
2: Yeah. Well, um, the House committee that has jurisdiction over this bill is in the process of Hosting listening sessions around the country, they're very interested in hearing from um, all stakeholders about what the priorities are for a reauthorized law. So AFTA is very um, engaged in that process. We're actually um, in the process right now of working with sort of a cross spectrum of our members to put together a list of priorities and and sort of the scientific rationale behind those priorities. You know, we think it's important for the new law to pay attention to the impacts of climate change on our fisheries. We think it's important to pay closer attention on the quality of habitats and how we're managing our habitats, um, to pay closer attention um, on the issues that could drive overfishing, for example. So we've got a number of things that we're taking a look at. uh, Open ocean aquaculture is another one. Um, So we're taking a look at all of those issues and we're putting together some policy recommendations that we're gonna be sharing with, with the committee. I expect we could see a draft bill out next year.
0: Wow. Cool. So everyone can be on the the lookout for, for that from AFTA. Um, And what, what about, um, you know, what if I'm a listener and um, I'd like to somehow get involved Are these listening sessions going to be probably the best way to do that? Or do you have a recommendation there?
2: Yeah, that's a great way to get engaged. Um, I would say if you're interested in, in learning more about the Magnus and Stevens Act and being engaged, get in touch with me. Um, I'd be happy to, to tell you what's going on. There's lots of opportunities to engage, not only with Congress and your policymakers, but also in your communities. I mean, it really comes down to there needs to be a movement of anglers who are willing to you know, get in touch with their policymakers and say, hey, conservation is important. So, the more people we have willing to step up and, and make their views known, uh, the more success we're going to be able to have so you know watch our watch our website for opportunities to engage. You know we often send out action alerts or notices um, when there's something to do, uh, but I'm always just a phone call away if anybody wants to talk
0: Nice well, appreciate that. Um, so are, are there any other, anything, I mean, y'all do a lot with conservation. Um, I mean, that, that's one of the things that I've always, um, since I've been involved with AFTA, have, have enjoyed is uh, getting those action alerts and there's a lot of um, opportunities to make your voice heard. Is there um, any other initiatives that, that y'all would like to mention or um, anything else you, you have on the on the cooker?
2: I think one, one issue, and, and I know that we kind of want to focus on success stories a lot of the times, but, you know, we did just have a big loss, and that um, is with regard to the rollback of the clean water rule by the Trump administration. Yep. You know, a, a bunch of our conservation allies, as, as well as AFTA, um, were really adamantly opposed to, to the Trump administration rolling back this rule. Um, but it happens. Uh, about two weeks ago, they went ahead and finalized that rule, uh, which essentially strips protection from many of our headwater streams and wetlands, and you know, sort of opens the door to um, oil and gas development and mining and, and other things that we know can really impact um, those water bodies. So you know, that's a big loss. And um, as we move forward, you know, we're gonna we're gonna be working closely with our conservation allies to see um, what we can do to continue to to fight that um, and the effects of that rule change. Um, So that's another one that we're keeping our our
0: eye on. Cool. Yeah. And um, I'll be interested to, uh, if there's anything we can do on our end to to help with that, please, please let us know. I'm sure everyone um, involved with AFTA would love to to get involved with that because, you know, I I think the, the way that they're sort of playing this is that, Hey, this will help farmers. And at the end of the day, really, what it's doing is it's just allowing oil and gas and, and mining to, headwaters is, is, is basically what it means, um, from my understanding of it, but, yeah, um, all right, so, um, so l- let me ask y'all this, so if we're, i just mentioned this just in case someone, someone doesn't know, but all this will be in the show notes and all that kind of stuff, but if, if someone wants to get involved um, and get these action alerts. They can just go to afta.org, I guess, and, and sign up for a newsletter or 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 how can someone be alerted about this stuff?
3: Uh yeah, yeah. On afta.org you can uh, you can submit your email to get on our mailing list. Okay. that um, should be right there. Uh, I don't know if it's on let me see if it's on the home page. I believe It's a little slow going here. Uh, yeah, on the homepage it's after on the fly. If you scroll down, you can uh, give your uh, submit your email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. Cool.
1: Hey Rick, I think you. Uh, this is Ben. I think you mentioned something that's really important there that I, I, I can't let go by without uh, commenting on, and and that's being involved and engaged, and and participating. Um, we we are passionate about what we do, um, because we've seen the direct impact of, of, of our work to our members. Um, so for, for anybody who works in the business of fly fishing, you, you should be involved with your trade association. It's, it's really easy to sit on the sidelines and, 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 and say that, you know, we've all heard it where people are very skeptical or, 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 you know, throw bombs at, lack of a better word throw bombs at at organizations that they that they maybe not know about um, or criticize because they, d- they don't know about what they do but I can tell you right now that um, you know our board of directors are, are a completely volunteer board it's 15 people and it's a it's an active working board and it's they represent every aspect of, of the industry and so you always uh, as a member of the of the business of fly fishing, you have a representative on the board and a voice on the board. So, um, you know, you don't like something that's going on, you know, in the industry, uh, I would encourage you to become involved and be active within your trade association. Um, we do this for a reason and we do this to make sure that our, our industry as a whole is, is representative, represented, represented.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, just 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 to add to that, I mean, it also helps to know that you know your 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 voice and your your opinion is is being heard, and that the AFTA uh, board, I think, and and the organization, um, from my experience, has been very you know open to to hear anyone out, and um, also helps to facilitate a a, a community um, of I think. Uh, business owners and and members of this industry that that care about uh, the resource and uh, want to protect it. So, and and like I said earlier, I think, you know, AFTA is sort of the the vehicle to do that um, at scale. Yeah, I I couldn't
1: agree more. And, you know, the community aspect of that, we'll see it, we'll see it in in full effect here in Denver in a couple weeks.
0: All right. So you, you, mentioned Denver. That's probably a good, good segue. Um, I know we could, I know you'll have some other conservation initiatives, but this is uh, probably a good segue for, for IFTD. Um, So international fly tackle dealer show. That's right. IFTD.
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: Um, So over the last few years um, has been uh, married with, Sort of ICAST in Orlando, and this was before my 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 time in the industry. But I guess before that, it had been held in Denver. So it's coming back to Denver, and um, would love to just uh, get your get your take on what's happening there, what's exciting, what can uh, attendees expect, and 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 just all that good stuff there.
1: Yeah. Um, so as you said, you know. The American Fly Fishing Trade Association, which owns the International Fly Tackle Dealer Show, uh, has been co-located with ICAST since uh, 2013. That first year in 2013, we were in Las Vegas and then um, uh, moved the show uh, 2014 through 2018 in Orlando, Florida. Um, <clears throat> and the late Late portions of, of 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 the year of 2016, uh, we sent out a um, a survey to our member seg- segments of our membership, and and asked them for their opinion. And again, this goes back to my earlier thing of uh, earlier point, excuse me, of making sure that we're involved and engaged in listening to our membership. So we surveyed our members, asked them, you know, two two questions do you want to stay in Orlando um, for the future or would you like to come back or go to Denver, uh, come back to Denver, I guess, the homecoming to Denver um, in October. And the overwhelming response, it, it, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was close to, I think it was like 82.3% of respondents said that they wanted to come back to Denver, have a standalone show uh, to celebrate our the industry and uh, have it be hosted in October. So here we are. I mean, we've we're 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 over three years in planning now, Rick, for what's gonna come, what's gonna happen, in you know, almost three weeks, just less than three weeks. And there's been a tremendous amount of work, um, planning involved with this. It, it's a lot of people don't understand the um, the amount of planning that has to go into changing a venue or identifying a venue, making sure that the location is available. It's about three years. And wow. so in a couple of weeks, we'll see the fruits of our labor. And, and, and one thing I have to mention again is, is that, you know our, I said earlier is our, our board is a working board. We have a show committee and um, dealer summit committee that meets at least once a month. And it is chaired by not a, uh, a board member, but a member of the association. His name is Steve Benzak. Uh, a lot of people know who he is, but he has been dedicated uh, volunteer to running this show committee and uh, the amount of work and hours that he has put in and a volunteer. Uh, it has to be mentioned that it, it, it's just, it, we wouldn't be where we are now without Steve running this show uh, show committee. And so, you know, IFTD is going to be a ce- celebration, celebration of our industry. It's, it's, uh, I, I sometimes call it, um, a family reunion and sometimes, you know, family reunions are dysfunctional. And, um, <laughs> the, the interesting thing about our industry is that it is small and it is, it, it is that community that, sales reps have worked for other companies, have, have worked with other sales reps, have worked, you know, I want, I don't want to say against, but other part, other companies, um, in, in, you know, selling product for the manufacturers across the country. And you you see a lot of, you see a lot of crossover within, um, within the brands, you know, people work for some one company for a while, and then they move over to another company, but it is, it is, it's a celebration of, of our industry and, Uh, it it culminates in our new product showcase awards announcement, which happens at the party at the pond on Thursday night. And um, to be able to stand on that stage and to present those awards to people that have, you know, put the blood, sweat and tears of years of product development and, um, you know, tweaks to their products and and they get chosen um, by their peers to win an award. It's, uh, it's very powerful and, and you can see it, you can see it front and center when you're there, you can see it on the face of the people when they, when they win an award and they come up and receive their awards. And, uh, it's, it's probably one of the most gratifying 45 minutes of, of, uh, definitely of the show, but probably the year, um, that I experience when I see, um, it's, and A lot of the times it's the designers of these companies or the designers of this product that come up and accept this award. And then, you know, I, I see it across, across the country when I go and travel to these manufacturers. And if you walk in and you see a manufacturer that has won a new product showcase award, that award is prominently placed at that business. And it's, it just goes to show um, the relevance of, of what we do at AFTA and IFGD Uh, when you, when you see that and, you know, it's, and, and IFTD is, it's not just about the show and it's not just about awards and it's not just about recognition. It's about, um, you know, education, educational events for not just retailers, but for sales reps and manufacturers as well. We have a, a great lineup this year of educational events at the show and, um, it's, we're going to be even more inclusive than we have in the past. Um, we have an open air seminar area, which is down by the registration desk, and so everybody that comes in and walks in and registers or has registered and picks up their badges, they're going to see that uh, educational area front and center. And there'll be there's events going on pretty much every hour on the hour um, through the show. And uh, you know we've worked really hard to make sure that we have you know prominent or, or relevant, I should say, seminar discussions. I know that you know Rick, you're you're going to be doing one. Um, and so, like I said, again, it's 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 the celebration of the industry, but it's it's more. It goes down to it, it digs down more than that. It is it, it is about the the bedrock of of our industry and how we come together and and how we um, as an industry, as a whole, make sure that we're bettering ourselves for the future.
0: Yeah, and 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 I'll just go ahead and take this as an opportunity to shamelessly self plug. Um.
1: <laughs> oh, that's not shameless. I, I, I open the door for you.
0: <laughs> um, if you're in attendance, there are a ton of good educational seminars, but um, my recommendation would be to attend the Sustainable Business Seminar on Wednesday the 16th from 4 to 5. I've got um, some great panelists. Um, I've got Corinne Doctor from Rep Your Water, uh, Dr. Andy Danilchuk from uh, UMass Amherst, Steve Hemcheck from Orvis, and uh, Oliver White from Abaco and Bears Lodge. So if you can attend, uh, please do, in addition to um, all the other uh, great educational seminars. Um, but speaking of sort of the sustainability uh, side of this, which got me uh, really excited and was really, um, was just really stoked to see that the industry um, decide to kick plastic at this show. Um, and that's definitely and, and it sounds like there's a kick plastic coalition with uh multiple brands in the industry and would just love to hear um more about uh that initiative and and what attendees can expect and um yeah just just take it away there
1: yeah so um I think the 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 prominent features that attendees would recognize and at the show um, are going to be when you come up and grab your badge. Uh, we partnered with Costa um, and uh, we have every attendee, well, the, I should say, let me rephrase that, the first 2000 attendees who come to the show um, will uh, get a aluminum water bottle so that there's they don't have to walk around um, you know, purchasing water bottles, single-use plastic water bottles Uh, and you know, this has been an initiative that we have been a part of for quite some time with Costa. I mean, you know, panels at past shows, um, where I sat on and discussed the importance of, uh, single use plastic or, or elimination of single use plastic at our events and to benefit our, our resources. But the, the other things that people don't probably won't notice, um, are the fact that, you know, all of our signs, everything that we produce at this show, um, in the past, it had been on either PVC or some type of vinyl or plastic, and, and that's not going to be the case this year. Uh, we, working with our partner, who's the exhibit service company, Freeman, who, you know, again, probably a lot of people don't know about, but they're the behind-the-scenes partner and that we hire to help us put this show on, and Freeman is is one hundred percent committed to uh, being an environmental steward. Here, uh, they have there was no difference in costs for us to do this. Um, wow. So all of our signs are going to be on eco board. So whether if it's uh, it's already been recycled or or will be recycled after the show, um, any place that we had in the past done vinyl signage, it's all gonna be on fabric and also printed on, with soy-based inks. Um, and then those fabrics are reusable. So uh, we have crates that we, you know, uh, we as, as, as AFTA and IFTD utilize some of our services or, or our needs every year, they stay at the location. So, you know, we have crates that'll stay in Denver for the, after this show. And it'll be there next year, and we'll be able to reuse a lot of the uh, products uh, and signage that we use this year. Uh, one thing that we definitely made uh, strides at producing was you know, sometimes you see it shows it'll have dates on it, um, like IFTD twenty nineteen. but well, we didn't we didn't brand anything IFTD twenty nineteen, so that we can reuse it. Um, yeah. We've we've worked with uh, the Denver convention center is a gold certified lead uh, or gold lead certified. And that is not just, you know, from the facility, but it also trickles down throughout the, the vendors within the facility. So, um, center plate is the, is our contact for food and beverage. And we've had multiple discussions about this. They know where we're going with this. And so there'll be no single use plastic at any vendor. Any food vendor at anything, at any event that we have food and beverage at, um, we've also not allowed any vendor or any exhibitor within the convention center to be able to uh, like if they have a happy hour in their booth and they have beers. Well, all those, all those which were plastic cups in the past are now all compostable, and so um, this is it goes beyond just the show organizers, us trying to produce a, an environmentally friendly show. Um, but it goes, it, it went beyond that, as far as, you know, making sure that our vendors know about it and the opportunities that they have or, or, or the lack of opportunity that they will have, excuse me, to, to get anything that is a plastic, a single use plastic. So cutlery straw, no straws, no mayonnaise packets, no relish packets, ketchup, mustard, things like that. Um, um, all of the food outlets inside the convention center, no single use plastic. So, um, you know, our industry breakfast, all is going to be plated on China. And it's, you know, it, it, it's, what it, it's the right thing to do. And when we as an organization our, our, and our conservation efforts and, and stewardship opportunities are, 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 are preaching to people that they should be watching what they are doing, but well, we should lead by example, and so where are there what other base better place to lead by example than our our industry gathering every year?
0: Yeah, no, and I and I absolutely love that, and and, and a couple of things that you mentioned, and you know, I I hear this um, from from my customers, but but you, you also, but you pointed this out is that people are. I think a lot of people are unaware of the fact that you don't have to sacrifice quality or pay more for a sustainable option now because it's in such demand that it's competitively priced with anything. So you're not having to sacrifice on – Um, hey, great. I'm going to have an inferior product or or whatever. The quality is the same, the price is competitive, if not the same, and it's better for the environment. So, um, that's a huge point. But another uh point, well, first off, heck yeah, this is awesome. Um, freaking love this. Um, and you know, I I think there might be some, some folks listening to understand where it's not just saying hey we're, we're we're getting rid of single use plastics and, and we're, we're reusing um, uh, materials there's a reason for that and the reason for that is that the and, and i don't have all the the stats directly in, in front of me but you know basically the long and the short of it is we are producing and insane amount of single-use plastic, and we're at a point now in the life of the planet with our population and the amount of plastic that we're producing that it is starting to enter our food chain through what we eat, including our fish, which is pretty scary.
2: Yeah, that's right, Rick. If, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll jump in here um, because it really is a, a scary story. Um, there's a study out now that says that if we continue producing plastics and essentially not disposing of them properly. Uh, By 2050, we're gonna have more pounds of plastic in the ocean than we're gonna have pounds of fish. So if that's not disgusting, (laughs) I don't know what is. Um, You know, you mentioned that those plastics are now entering into the food chain and that's absolutely right. I mean, we've seen pictures of seabirds and whales that die because of the large amounts of plastics that are in their belly that cause them to starve to death. Um, but more and more, scientists are are now finding out that fish are ingesting microplastics. And the problem here is that these microplastics can act as sort of the medium to transfer toxins like heavy metals and other disgusting things into the fish's flesh. And then that's, of course, what we eat, or that's what bigger game fish eat that we subsequently eat. Um, so the plastic pollution in the ocean um, has, you know, can not only poison the ocean, it can poison us if we're not careful. Um, And, you know, I I think a lot of people tend to think about plastics as being an issue in the oceans, but it's not limited to just the oceans. They're an issue in freshwater as well. Um, There's actually a really compelling study that was done here in Montana. Um, I'm sure many of your listeners are aware of the Gallatin River. It's one of our famous blue blue, blue ribbon streams here in Montana. It's got a great trout fishery. Um, And its headwaters are formed um, up, you know, within and outside of Yellowstone National Park. And so we're talking about, you know, some of the most protected areas um, on Earth, really. And over the last two years, there's been scientists out um, taking water samples throughout the Gallatin watershed. And they've found in 57% of those samples, uh, there were microplastics present. So, yeah. this is not just an issue in the oceans; it's an issue in our in our freshwater sources as well so it's a huge problem it's not one that that matters only in coastal states and matter matters just as much for us to be mindful of our plastic in Denver as it does in the keys so I'm really, really proud of AFTA for making the statement i'm not aware of any other show that's gone to the links that we have um, to make this statement so it's it's uh, compelling, and hopefully, it will, um, you know, be the be the first of, of many such uh, efforts to follow course.
0: Yeah, and 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 to your point, in, in addition to that, a lot of people um, who maybe maybe they've attended some trade shows, or you know, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. But a point that, that I'd like to make, and and I don't have statistics on this, but i, I I've I've read about it, and trade shows produce a tremendous amount of waste because it's everything from, you know, booths to signs, to carpet, to, I mean, just you wouldn't believe the amount of waste that a trade show can generate. In addition to, you know, just consider, you know, let's say that there's 3000 people that attend IFTD this year and if there were plastic water bottles available how many water bottles would there be i mean just you know it, they may be recycled but the the truth is a lot of that ends up in the landfill and so you know a, another point to make is that not only is this the right thing to do and and certainly makes me proud as an afta member that that y'all are doing this um but it's also Keeping a lot of waste out of the landfill, and, um, and 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 so my my hat's off to you. I'm I'm excited to check it all out, and um you know, hopefully get in there early and get a get an extra water bottle while I'm at it. So,
3: um, well, speaking of which, I think it's important to recognize again, you know, our partnership with Costa. Um, as well as this this coalition that we've we've formed. I mean, it, it's it's Costa, it's Yeti, Sims, Yellow Dog, Captains for Clean Water, Rep Your Water, G Loomis, and Sweetwater Brewing. There's there's a lot of people that are getting in on this. And part of part of the coalition, what we're doing is not only are we supplying people with a water bottle that they're going to be able to use throughout the day, or throughout all three days, we're also supplying refilling stations that um our the, our coalition partners are going to be able to brand, and their um, sort of the the uh, silos the water silos that um, people are going to they'll have in their booths and so as as attendees are moving around and what have you, they're going to be able to refill all over the floor, which is a a, a really cool thing, and that's to your point it keeps those individual water bottles out of their hands. It keeps them out of the garbage. It keeps them out of the landfill. Um, And it allows people the opportunity to really have control, uh, more control over that. Um, Likewise, we've got at the, um, you know, Ben had mentioned a number of different uh, spots where we're, we're really, we're cutting out the, the single use plastic or plastics as, you know, uh, as a whole, we're, also, like at the Party on party on the Pond, Sweetwater, uh, in addition to the Thomas and Thomas, they're sponsoring that and they're supplying all of the, uh, they're supplying guide beer and it's all in cans and all the cans are going to be recycled. So no cups and kegs. It's going to be just straight out cans and then we're collecting everything. So the recycling will be 100% on that. So we're really looking to, you know, to make this as much like the party on the pond, like a 100% recyclable event. But then also just keeping things out of landfill, even the idea of uh, no, there's not going to be any um, carpeting in the aisles. So we're decreasing the use of forklifts and thus the emissions that they put out with rolling out and carrying all these carpets. And we're also keeping thousands of yards of material out of the landfill that winds up getting used and then either not reused or it gets worn out and it gets pitched. So... Um, there's a lot of a lot of ways that we're really we're pushing um, the 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 just to be much more sustainable be much more mindful in our energy usage and um and what it is that we're putting into the landfill and it's i I really want to applaud our partners on this because it's 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 their efforts as well to help uh, bring this to life we could we can we can shout it, and we can do certain things, but it really takes you know it takes a community to come together to get it done yeah,
0: so. yeah and you know that's an important point too and and getting these brands involved you know I mean they each have their own reach, you know through social media and everything else to help promote this message and and get that out to people who you know i mean there's a lot of people who are just simply unaware that this is a problem, which is um pretty wild. But, but another important point I think to make is that, you know, little, little, if everyone made little steps would make a huge, it'd make a huge impact. And this is a big step for the industry. So, um, yeah, I just, my hat's off to y'all. When I, when I, when I saw that announcement, man, I got, I got fired up about it. Um, (laughs) and, uh, I was just so glad to, to see that. Um, all right. So, I guess not really shifting gears here, um, but I did want to, as I like to do in the show, um, to talk about some, you know, I don't know, some success stories, like maybe through the uh, Fisheries Conservation Fund, or or um, anything that, that that y'all'd like to share on on that front, um, because you know, I, I'm I'm in this world like day in and day out, and I I, I read a tremendous amount about um, environmental threats, whether it be climate change and plastic pollution and, and just everything in between. And so I think it's also really important to highlight some some good things that people are doing. Part of that is obviously what y'all are doing at IFTD um, with kicking plastic and, and, and being mindful of energy use. Um, but is there any other success stories that y'all can think of that, that you care to share? Um, and also Dave, Dave for Bristol Bay. Um, but, but anything else that y'all like to, to add?
1: Yeah, I'd like to add just, you know, one thing that will be a success. And, um, uh, so again, a community coming together, uh, one of our, our members road drift boats has, uh, donated a drift boat and trailer to the fisheries fund. And, uh, we will be auctioning or not auctioning. We will be selling raffle tickets at, at iftd for that and uh nice. it, it's it's again the community that has come together around this so roe donated the drift boat and the trailer yeti has donated a, a cooler for it we've now got sage that has come and donated rods and reels to it and Rio lines and a, a, a Rio flies a selection of flies for that and so and sweetwater is going to be uh throwing some guide beers in their cases of guide beer as well. But again, this is, this is our community coming together and this is a, a straight donation, uh, to the fisheries fund and we'll be selling raffle tickets. Uh, they're going to be uh, $20 for 10 raffle tickets. And, uh, on Thursday we will be pulling the, the lucky winner out of, uh, the raffle ticket out of, uh, uh, hopefully a very big jug, uh, that, uh, or a big vessel that has, is full of, of raffle tickets and, and all of the proceeds of that go to the fisheries fund. So, you know, we're, we're hoping to raise quite a bit of money so then that we can then turn around and, and give that money away to organizations that have come to us for help on, you know, fisheries conservation or education uh, across the country.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Let me know when those raffle tickets are for sale. So.
1: (laughs) Yeah. They'll be for sale. You'll see a bunch of people around the show floor walking with them. Um, we'll take credit cards, uh, preferably credit cards. Uh, everyone's got credit cards and not a lot of people carry cash anymore. So we'll we'll be ready to sell you some raffle tickets.
0: Nice. Nice.
2: One thing Um, I'd like to, to talk about is, um, over the last year, AFTA partnered with the Ocean Media Institute, which is a filmmaking educational filmmaking uh, nonprofit that focuses on on the ocean and ocean conservation that's actually based here in Bozeman of all places. Um, and we uh, we did a film. we did a seven minute film called Tomorrow's Fish and we um, essentially brought two two after guys John McMurray and Abby Schuster together off the coast of New York and sent them out on a on a couple of day saltwater fly fishing adventure um, and just interviewed them about the importance of conservation and and uh, you know the the importance of getting engaged as an angler to protect the the resources that we love. Um, And we have a beautiful film. Um, It's it's short, it's only seven minutes, um, but we are going to be premiering that film in uh, in New York City, Um, Orvis on Fifth Avenue is hosting the showing on October 23rd. We're gonna have John and Abby there and Matt's gonna be there. Um, And we're gonna show the film and and talk about the importance of getting engaged in, in conservation issues. And then once the film is premiered, we're going to package it with two other short films. Um, One that was co produced with our partners at uh, Bonefish, Tarpon, and Trust um, and focuses on uh, habitat quality issues in Florida. And then a second one, which focuses on the pebble mine issue um, up in Bristol Bay. And we're going to have sort of a trio of films that we're going to make available to fly shops around the country, along with educational materials. So we're hoping um, that fly shops will be interested in, in hosting this package of films to put an event on in their store that brings people into their store and um, you know has them look around and maybe buy a couple things, but also gets them fired up about conservation. So we'll be rolling that out um, over the next few weeks. And we'll also be showing our film, Tomorrow's Fish at IFTD, so people can have a really preview of it.
0: Um, at the show oh no I I, I love that that's that's such a a great concept and 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 great reason to to get into your local fly shop and uh, support local business owners um, and also promote conservation so that sounds like that will be a home run and definitely looking forward to to seeing the film thanks for listening to the sustainable angler podcast Special thanks to Ben, Matt, and Reagan from the American Fly Fishing Trade Association. For more info on AFTA, visit www.afta.org. And for more episodes of The Sustainable Angler, uh, we can be found anywhere uh, you listen to your podcast. iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, google play music so uh, don't forget to like and follow uh, that helps us out a lot thanks and have a great day